Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast presented by the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. This is an intimate look into the training of eight of America's best marathoners as they prepare for the Olympic Trials in the Marathon in Atlanta in February 2020. And in this episode, we catch up with Roberta Groner. If you haven't listened to Roberta's first episode, which we put out last month, you may want to, but you don't need to in order to listen to this one, but it does provide a little bit of context. I couldn't wait to talk to Roberta last night because the New York City Marathon just put out their elite field and Roberta is in it, which is uh, certainly newsworthy, not only because that field is stacked with great runners, but also because Roberta is going to be competing in the World Championships in the Marathon about a month before New York. So we touched on, in this episode, basically her decision-making process for choosing both marathons, how she's going to approach her training, not only prior to Doha, but in, in between the two marathons. And then, you know, basically a lot of the conversation is going to be centered on those two topics because it's a fascinating decision on her part and one that for most people um, that they wouldn't do. They either do one or the other and not both. I think uh, Sarah Hall is also doing something very similar. She got a lot of uh, publicity yesterday for doing Berlin and New York. So it's going to be a, kind of a similar circumstance with Roberta as well. And I couldn't wait to get her feelings on this topic. So I have no doubts that you're going to enjoy this episode with Roberta as she dives into all of those things, as well as juggling that with, hey, school's coming and it's going to affect her summer because she is a, you know, she's a mom as well and she takes care of her kids. And that affects kind of how she's able to train once school starts because she has to train for her morning runs even earlier than she normally would. Normally she gets out during the school year Around 4.30 in the morning, she gets out for her morning run, which is tough. It's certainly nicer to do it uh, in the summer and get out a little bit later than that. So anyway, I'll let Roberta explain it. I don't need to do it. She's more than willing and more than able to do it just herself. So I hope you like this episode with Roberta Groner. Hey, Roberta, thanks for jumping on the call. Hey, Matt, it's good to hear from you. <laughs> good to talk to you. So today was an exciting day. We just had a few hours ago the uh, New York City Marathon announced their elite field, and you are in it. So uh. let me just first <laughs> of all say um, congratulations. I know it's always, I don't know if it's congratulations is the right word, but it must be always, for you, does it wear off being part of like, you know, the elite field announcement for a marathon like this? Oh, no. <laughs> Not for me, at least. No, it's exciting. Um it's exciting, and uh, it's always just an honor to be in there with the, the amazing crowd, you know, the field of women. And uh, obviously, we don't know who's running either. So um, it's always exciting to see who you're competing with. So, And New York is always one to bring top-notch level of racers to the race. So it's always a fun day. That's for sure. So first, I guess that, that's see what you just brought up brings up another question that I wasn't sure if I was going to ask or not. But. When you start looking ahead to to this race, do like rumors start circulating about who's running what race? And you know, when you see like, all right, Chicago announced a couple of weeks ago, you, can you start to figure out, or does news start circulating within the elite field of like who exactly is probably going to run, or is it? Are you really kind of like never quite sure? 
Well, I mean, you may hear from one or two people that you might be close with, like that, you know, they're running it per se. You just can't tell social media per se, but um, yeah, you can kind of get ideas maybe a little bit along the line. I was surprised from a few of the American women, but um, uh, other than that, you get, you get ideas though, but there's, I mean, I don't know because I'm not really, I don't circulate too high up in the crowd. So <laughs> I don't know for sure how it works, but for what I can tell, like I knew of a few people only, you know, because I may be close to them or we talk every once in a while. Um, and like I said, we just try to keep it as low key as possible so that it doesn't get out like, you know, cause they like to announce it. Um, so yeah, we just try to keep it quiet, but it's always uh, fun to speculate a little bit too. Right. And for you, this is kind of like the hometown marathon in a sense. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, I only live about 45 minutes to an hour and I run for New York Athletic Club, which is a team for New, New York Road Runners Association. So like, yeah, it's uh, for me, it feels like a hometown, home crowd kind of feel. So um, I, I'm excited to go back. And, uh, you know, after doing it last year, it was definitely another reason to come back again this year uh, to do it. So, yes, yeah, so you have no excuse when you enter Central Park. Right. Like you, <laughs> some people get surprised by some of the rolling hills, especially okay. later on in the marathon. For you, like you, you can't use that as an excuse. Like you, you probably know that route like the back of your hand at this point. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, most of our team races are in Central Park or around Central Park. So we run it clockwise, counterclockwise. So yeah, I know it pretty well. <laughs> so you're good to go. And I think that this is interesting on a couple different levels. Obviously, you know, deciding what marathon to do for everyone in the elite field of not the elite field of Olympic trials, but for the people who have you know, a legitimate and understandable shot at getting close to that top three and mm-hmm. in Atlanta, choosing the, the the race this fall is obviously an interesting calculus for each person, figuring out the best way to do it. And for you, it's even more interesting because of your selection to the World Championship Marathon team yeah. in Doha. So let's just go back in time. You know, kind of what came first yeah. for you in terms of like, making this sort of decisions for the fall, what races you were going to do and just how your schedule came about. Um, so if I can recall, um, I knew I wanted to do a fall marathon. Um, I felt that, uh, for me, it's, it's, uh, something that keeps me in routine. Uh, I like the training of marathons. I don't want to be too far out. I don't want to be a year out basically from another marathon. So I knew I wanted to do a fall marathon and we talked about Chicago. And then I just, like I said, I kind of went back to New York because it's local to me, you know, a hometown feel. Um, and I just kind of really wanted to go back to it. So um, I, we, we reached, I reached out and we started talking. And so New York was kind of my fall marathon. And then maybe, I don't know, roughly two to three weeks after that was decided, uh, Worlds came up. <laughs> so, and then, you know, I'm in a unique spot. You know, I feel blessed, honored to be chosen. And I didn't feel like I could give, pass up or want to pass up the opportunity to represent our country. Um, and I am 41, almost 42. And I don't know what, what my, you know, what my span of running career may, may be, but I felt like I had to take the opportunity to at least represent the country. So that's kind of where it started. It was New York and then worlds came and then I decided to do both. <laughs> so when you got the call about Doha, you uh-huh. obviously had this feeling of like, okay, this is an opportunity I can't pass up. I really have to jump yeah. on this. So with that thinking in mind, did you waver at all about your commitment to New York? Um, I would say a little bit. 
I, I, you know, I reached out uh, to a few of the upper person, the, the personnel for New York, and uh, you know, they're on board with me. I, after I decided that I felt like I could do both with a five week turnaround, um, and then it's really, you know, if you know, I, I foresee me doing both. I, I, you know, I, I don't foresee me not. But if something does happen after Worlds, it's you know, New York is on me, you know, in that sense. Um, so if that makes sense, like if I feel like I can't do two marathons in five weeks, for some reason, injury comes up, then that's just something that I will have to deal with at that point. But I always feel like you got to just do what my gut said to do. My gut said do both. So. All right. So let's talk about how to prepare for a challenge like that, because yeah. um, there's a lot of different thinking that can go into it, not only in terms of how to prepare um, in the months leading up, but how do you approach the races specifically, as well as the time frame in between? So let's just talk about your running over the last two months. When did you kind of transition from kind of like, you know, your your post-spring um, maintenance running into more, you know, kind of like cycling into your um, your marathon build? I would say it was probably the first week of July, um, but not in the specific sense of marathon-specific workouts. But building, I was running probably like 65 to 70 miles. And then we got into the upper 80s, 90s within July. Um, so really, it was more specific to me and Steve talked about, I didn't really want to start specific hard workouts for marathons until August. Um, but we wanted to build up the base pretty well. So like I just hit 100 miles last week. So um, so really just building that base and then this week, we're really starting to hit the specific marathon, specific workouts during the week. So, Okay, so Doha is on September 27th. You're just starting those hard marathon-specific workouts this week. And just to put uh -huh. it in perspective, we're recording this on August 6th. So yes. how does that compare to past marathon cycles? Is this a little bit later than you normally would do that sort of buildup? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit later, but I don't feel like my fitness is off. I mean, we were still doing workouts twice a week, but not like the, like this week I have something like a, tomorrow's like a two mile at 535, then two by five, one, one and a half miles at 530 and then one mile, you know, so it's like longer uh, intervals and then marathon pace specific work on Saturday versus last week was eight by a thousand on the track. And then a different type of workout during the week, other day of the week. So I, I still feel like maybe a little bit in the sense that we're going to only be like eight weeks out from Worlds. But that was the decision I made also to like slightly have um, to go in just so I can compete at both with somewhat right. fresh legs. Um, right. Which is kind of hard, right? Because you're like serving two masters in a way with yeah. the training because you have your eye on both of them. So let's talk about July then. So would you, um, we went up from, you know, kind of 65 and then bumped it up to 85. And now you said you're up, you're at 100 this week. When you're building the mileage in July, what does that look like? Is it, is it, um, are you extending the long runs more and more and more? Is it kind of every day of the week gets bumped up each week, you know, yeah. within each week? How, how does that build happen? I mean, we haven't gone over 18 miles yet um, for the long run, but I have done, um, so it would, I would say mainly it was starting to add doubles in during the week. And that's how I was starting to build the mileage up into the mid eighties. Um, for my hundred mile week last week, my shortest run of the week was 10 miles. I ran seven, I've been running seven days a week. So, um, last week for the hundred mile build up, there was three doubles of 
15 to 16 miles each day total. Um, and then my lot, my run on the weekends was an 18 and a 16. So pretty, you know, n- nothing really short. And like I said, mainly doubles to build up the mileage. And because you work full time, where, <laughs> how do you stagger those doubles? Like what time, what exactly um, is like the times of day for each one? Yeah. So, um, so I generally try to do the doubles Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. Um, my workouts are Wednesdays and Saturdays primarily. So generally morning I'm up at five or five thirty and out the door before we have to come back to get the kids to camp and, uh, me to work at eight thirty, And then I usually do the second run of the day while I'm at work. So it's generally like around two to three o'clock. So I would say they're anywhere from like six to eight hour breaks, um, in between, depending on when I can get out for lunch, my lunch slash run break. So. Oh, okay. So having the summer hours, how does that affect your morning runs versus once school starts up? So like now I have the luxury of going out at six. <laughs> um, but when school starts up, I'm usually out the door before 5am. So it means up and out. Basically, it gives me a, it's an hour difference at roughly. I'm a little bit more uh, lack, like it's a little bit lazier in the summertime. Sometimes if I get out at 6.15, it's okay because traffic is lighter in the area and things like that. But I technically, when I have my children, I have to be out the door before five, depending on the workout or run. And would you still do the same time amount and same mileage as you would during the summer months? Sometimes like what I'll probably do when I swim school starts is my Wednesday workout will get turned to Wednesday evening after work. Um, generally that's what I'll do because it might be a little bit longer and harder for me to get that in before work at a reasonable time frame. But other than that, it pretty much, I would still do, um, everything else the same, you know, I'd still get mileage in every day in the morning, but the workout day would probably switch. We'll switch to a Wednesday evening workout and maybe a four miler or five miler in the morning before I go to work. Now, is there certain workouts or marathon based workouts that your, your coach is Steve Magnus that you and Steve like to target before a marathon as like either a benchmark workout or one that you feel like is a great indicator of uh, current fitness? Well, only being our second cycle together, um, I just really go by what he, you know, what he gives me. I, I would say key workouts for Rotterdam were things like I had like a four by two mile where I progressed down a little bit faster each interval. Um, and I, if I recall, I may have had like a two minute recovery in between each. Um, and then I had another workout towards the end of the cycle where I liked a lot. It was, um, 10 miles easy. Um, and then it was two by three mile, um, at like five, I think I did like a sub five thirty pace and like a five fifteen pace for the second one. So it was like two by three mile and then, then it was a cool down. So I like doing those longer types of workouts where I can feel my fitness. You know, you can tell that you're, you know, I was running five fifteen pace for a three mile after doing, you know, 14 miles beforehand, you know, and it felt comfortable. So getting that, like having those, um, those kind of workouts where it reinforces that, Hey, you know, I feel pretty good, you know, even running on tired legs. Now, when you do those sorts of workouts, do you ever have a running partner or someone that can accompany you on those runs? Uh, you know, occasionally. Um, I do have a, a friend, a tra- training partner for New York last year, uh, my friend Cole Daly. So he would meet, he can meet up with me occasionally. Um, this summer, it's been a little bit different. I haven't had too many people. I've been running quite more often alone than not alone. So um, it just depends really on other, everybody else's schedule. And because I train, you know, with Steve and if someone else has their own coach or does their own plan, then, you know, it's hard to meet up too because everybody's doing their own thing. So I don't have, um, you know, a steady person to run with. 
Right. And I know that can be hard, but it's also a you know, potentially benefit, right? Because there's because you all you have this the idea of like, all right, if you're running with somebody, it can boost your performance, but just the mental strength that you can gain by doing some of these workouts and fighting through on your own also has its own positive benefit. Yeah, I mean, last year um, for Rotterdam, I ran a lot with my uh, my friend Cole, a decent amount. But then I hit two or three of those key workouts alone, and it really was like you said, like that mental boost of like, hey, I did this, and I did this alone. Um, and so for me, you know, when I'm out there alone, I kind of just live off of that, you know, that reminder that hey, it's hard, it's going to feel hard, but in the end, you know, you're mentally going to be stronger when you're hurting in those last few miles of the marathon, you know. Absolutely. And when you're thinking about Doha specifically, what is going to be your your taper for that? Like, how is that going to look considering the quick turnaround to New York after that race? You know, Steve and I haven't really talked too much into that yet just yet. Um, if I'm taking it how I think, it won't be much of a taper. I mean, I would say the mileage would go down a little bit the week of. Um, obviously, I would say the mileage would go down. Um, but it wouldn't be, I would still think that I would have a specific workout at least the week before, you know, two workouts. Um, and maybe the week of, I, again, I'm just kind of guessing cause we haven't specifically talked about it. Um, and then just go into it, um, that way. Um, it is going to be a hot marathon, obviously. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be a whole different ball game with pacing and times and things like that. So, yeah, well, I tell you, you'll be used to the heat. If you're doing all these lunch runs <laughs> that you've been doing, yeah. because you know, I'm in the Northeast, just like you are. And boy, it has been hot this summer. Yeah. So we've, uh, I've been trying that too, because we've, um, through the USATF have been given some like, you know, information and some hints on heat acclimation. So they do recommend at least an hour a day of running in the uh, heat. Uh, so I try my best. Um, doesn't always work. Like I said, with my schedule, working a full-time job, but I don't have the luxury of just getting out at any time to run and also having my children, you know, when I had them, I don't, I don't usually run in the evening when I have them because we have family time. So. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about some of the tapering that you've done, you know, even without Steve, you know, you think about Mm -hmm. Rotterdam, but even going past that, what are some of the things that you've learned um, pros and cons and what fits best for you when you consider uh, tapering? I really like um, only like a 10 day. I don't like a big taper. So generally 10 days, maybe the mileage starts to come down, but I still do a key workout at least 10 days out, if not. And then the week of, I like to do um, something that I get my legs turning around at least the Wednesday before the marathon. Um, If it's like three by one mile, just at marathon pace or something just to get my legs um, kind of, you know, hey, this is what I'm going to be running. Let's get this feeling back into my legs. But I definitely um, am not a three week taper person. I am, like I said, more of a 10 day kind of taper. I still like to keep the, the workouts specific and some mileage up. So when you're thinking about that, that workout 10 days out or so, how much of that is probably marathon pace versus going a little bit shorter and harder? It's actually probably more, mostly a specific marathon pace. Um, not too much shorter and harder, if that I recall. You know, I'm trying to think back. I, I haven't looked at my logs in a while. And sometimes I get a little, little blurry on it, but... Um, besides that week before where it's something like on the short end of like, like three by one mile, um, I do feel like I like those specific marathon pace, longer runs. Um, and Steve and I have worked a little bit differently than my previous coach where it's a lot more progression in the sense that I am going faster towards the end. It might be a little bit faster than marathon pace. 
All right, so let's talk about the you know 33 days or so between World Championships mm-hmm. and New York City. Previous to this, mm-hmm. what was the the shortest gap in time you've ever had between two marathons? <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I don't know, six months minimum. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit different. Yes, this is a little different. Um, but I also uh, looking back on my training. Um, for New York last year, five weeks out, I do a pretty big workout. Um, I do a 10 mile race. I usually do a 10 mile race through, for New York city. And then I last year did a 24 mile run that day, um, race specific with 10 miles at 537 pace. So, you know, when I was looking back at my log, do I think I can do it? You know, because I recovered from that and ran two hard workouts the next week. Now this is a little different being race specific, but you know, with the conditions in Doha, you know, I don't, I mean, obviously I'm going to go there to race, but I have no idea really what that's going to translate in pace wise with the heat. I mean, they're looking at conditions that are almost in the extreme, extreme area. So you just don't know. Right. And it's not as if this is completely, you know, never been seen before. Obviously the heat, yeah. the heat and conditions um, provide their own challenges. No question about it. And I can't wait to talk to you after that race to hear exactly what that's like. But, I mean, shoot, even you look look at, was it last year, Steph Bruce went from New York City to, was it, to is it New York City to CIM, which is almost yeah, the, yeah. Exact, the exact same amount of days that you're going to be doing. Correct, yeah. And Sarah Hall did it the year before, uh, the year she went from Frankfurt to CIM, and then I just found out she's doing it this year, too, just like me. She's doing Berlin and then, uh, um, and then New York. Yeah, you guys need to have like yeah. a little bet, right? Like combine your two like races and see who has the better, better time combined, right? Doha plus New York and she can do Berlin plus New York and see who, see yeah. who made out better. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But she's got a little bit more experience <laughs> with this turnaround in the, uh, the, uh, the marathon department than me. So no, I haven't, I, I can't, I can't, I would say I've always done like a fall and a spring marathon. So I would say the most is a few months, you know, difference. Maybe this New York to Am- Rotterdam would probably be my shortest. So. She's got me beat on the uh, turnaround time, but uh, how much are you excited for this like unique challenge versus how much are you like nervous, anxious for this unique challenge? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, I guess I was really I know I'm excited. Um, maybe got a little bit more nervous today when it finally all came out. You know, like <laughs> kind of like <laughs> you know because it was kind of like not kind of like my hidden little secret. You know, um, I. I'm excited because like I said, this is a once in a lifetime for me. I, I, I just go to the line. I, I rarely am nervous because, you know, I, we work hard. I work hard. We all work hard as when we're runner, whatever we're doing in life. But I, when I step to the line, it's just like, Hey, I've done it. I've given my all and let's just see what happens. So I, I rarely like am nervous. Um, am I nervous about an injury? Yes. But I'm really just trying to pay attention to my body. You know what I mean? Um, doing the right things as much as I can. It is hard. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, working full time and raising kids and trying to run lists like today is one of those running around after school, after camp and work days where I was like, ah, I'm not going to get everything done. And, you know, but that's just the way it is. So, I mean, like I said, I try my best to listen to my body and just my biggest concern would be injury, you know, so just listening to my body. And if I feel like something's off, taking a day off or whatever it may be need. So what is your travel plans? Um, if you've made them already for the world championships? Yeah, there, I mean, I'm leaving, I'll only be for a week. Um, I leave the 23rd, which is a Monday evening. 
I won't get to Doha till Tuesday afternoon our time. Um, and then the race is Friday, you know, midnight, basically Saturday, you know, Friday night. So, um, I felt like for me, I didn't, I don't want to adjust to their time. So even when I get there, I'm going to stay on my time, um, because that would be like a 5 PM race versus a midnight field race. So, um, they even suggested that when we've gone to some of these little uh, pot, you know, these little power points they've been given us. So, um, and then I'll get to stay through, um, Monday morning and then I have to head back uh, to the States. I have to work and, you know, children and all those life things. <laughs> so is it going to be a midnight race just from, to, 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 uh, I guess the climate, is, is it a weather situation or is this more of like, you know, working with like different TV networks around the world type situation? I believe it's a climate. I mean, I, I mean, the temperature, I think they want the sun to be obviously no sun. Um, uh, I believe it was more a climate decision. I could be wrong, but from what I understood, um, that's why they're doing it at midnight. Cause then they're starting most of the track events too in the evening. So instead of, you know, like they're six or seven or eight o'clock at night. So everything's going to be in the evening. Um, and I felt like that was mainly due to weather. Got it. And see, you're going to be ready for that. Like, running hard in the dark because you have all these like 5 a.m. track workouts exactly. like, like this is just part yeah. of the course for you yeah exactly i know i was thinking this morning when i got up i was like oh it's starting to get dark out already at 5 5 15 like i was you know blessed earlier this summer where i was like five o'clock and it was still it was like sunny out sort of so um yeah no it'll be the course is just along like their promenade type of setting. So it's only going to be an out and back. If, if I recall, or I don't have a specific course yet, but I've heard that it's like three and a half kilometers out and back. So it's just going to be a one, like one little loop that we do six times roughly. So, um, very controlled flat <laughs> and fast, I guess, um, course. One loop six times. So that mm -hmm. is kind of like a nice little prep for Atlanta which is kind of like oh. the same sort of situation, but obviously it's like, was it four loops? And then a little bit of like, it's almost like a little appendix sticking out towards the finish line. I think so. I have, I have not been down yet to Atlanta. That's a goal. I think after New York uh, to get down there. Um, I, I've looked at the course once or twice, but I haven't been down there. Um, so I don't really recall. I just have heard rolling Hills, which I'm good with. So <laughs> there you go. And speaking about travel, um, I know in our last conversation, we spoke at length about, the possibility of you training at altitude and how your family had kind of come together and, and thought yeah. that this, this is something that, that was certainly, you know, that they were going to be down with. And, um, yeah, I know that was obviously something that you were going to have to worry about, not just like, can this work with my job, but with my family as well, considering the, um, the marathons that you've on tap for the fall, is that still something that you're strongly considering? I don't know. Um, you know, with work, I'm now taking an extra week off, uh, for Doha, that wasn't in the calculations when I was thinking all of that. Um, I don't know yet. It's not, I haven't rolled it completely out, but it's not as maybe um, as high up in my list where I thought it was before. So, you know, um, we'll see. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I still have to kind of uh, just kind of figure those things all out. It probably won't be finalized till after New York. Gotcha. All right. We're going to get going in a second, mm -hmm. but before we do, what's the, what's the training look like for the next week or so? Um, so this week's pretty, pretty big in the sense of mileage, not so big. It's only in the mid eighties, but, um, back to, like I said, that marathon specific workouts, um, tomorrow's like a two miler, two by one and a half and a one mile. And then I got some kind of, some kind of 18 mile or 16 mile workout on Saturday. That's got some different types of tempos, like three miles at 
uh, six and like two by three at something. I forget now. I know I'm the worst. <laughs> I, don't, I try not to look too far in advance because I don't want to dwell on it. Does that make sense? I'm like, oh, I'll look at it again on Friday. Um, uh, and then Steve only gives me workouts a week in advance. So I don't know really what's coming up, but I think it's going to, like I said, be more marathon pace specific or getting me into these progressions where it gets a little bit faster towards the end. Um, we'll start ramping up the long run into the twenties, um, probably next week. And, uh, yeah, go from there. I mean, um, I think that we'll, I don't know. We never really, we don't really talk about, uh, where we're going to go with the mileage. This was the first time I ever hit a hundred miles. I, I've hit like 97, 98, but it was kind of a big deal to hit that, you know, uh, those three digits there. It was uh, pretty significant for me. I don't know if I can squeeze out much more though with my busy lifestyle. Um, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, could I fit in, you know, an extra hour and a half of running? I don't know. You know, you think you can't, you could, but you know, what would I have to give up to do that? So we'll see. So th is this your first 100 mile week ever or your first Correct. one with Steve? First ever. one ever. Hey, hey. First one ever. <laughs> Look at that. All right. Yeah. First one ever. So. So does it, does it feel any different? I, I, I cringed even asking that question. I feel like, you know, when like in a parent or an aunt or uncle asks like a kid, like on their birthday, like, do you feel any different? You're a year older. Um, but does it feel <laughs> any different? Your first time hitting a hundred miles? I mean, it was just like a milestone, you know, just like hitting something and you know, nothing, I probably could have kept on going, you know, I could have ran a few more miles, but, uh, it was just, like I said, just kind of, he put out 95 to a hundred. And once you put out the hundred, I was like, I gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> like he's very he's not very specific in his training. I mean we are but he he'll give me these ranges like 90 or he'd be like 90 mm. ish miles for the week or 95 but this time he put 95 to 100 and I was like oh I think I'm gonna go for it you know so I mapped it out and uh because with Steve he gives me my mileage for the week and then my two workouts and then I have the luxury of putting in my mileage how I want the rest of the week so um which is nice Right. I mean, you're, I mean, you have so much experience. It, it's something that he probably doesn't have to micromanage because he can just trust you that you're going to do it. And that's so interesting, too, is that for so many people, there's this feeling of like, all right, if I'm not running 100 miles a week, am I really like, you know, it's almost like this badge of honor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, you know, to, to say that if you don't run 100 miles a week, how serious can you be? And are you going to be like this you know, elite of the elite, but obviously you are, and that hasn't been something that you've needed to do in the past. Why do you think that is where like you've been able to achieve remarkable results without having to just pile on mileage that some other people might feel like they need to do in order to reach that level? You know, I think we talked about it in my past with my previous coach. I think it's really specific to that marathon pace, training your tired legs. And I felt like we would put in, I still do put in very specific mile like pace on those legs so that when I get to the marathon it's just kind of like it takes over you know just and I don't know like I don't you know I actually know quite a few women that don't go go to the 100 mile range you know um that mm -hmm. haven't you know um I think one of my my teammates for worlds just said she hit mid 80s was her first time this week that was her highest ever so everybody's training is different and I I don't like I said I don't think I need 110 120 I don't even know if 100 will do anything it was just kind of like that like you said you get close to it might as well just do it you know uh for the nostalgic of it but uh, that's about it so I don't know like I said it's I don't know why mine's different but I feel like because I do that specific training with the marathon pace on tired legs consistently I think one season I mapped it out. I think I put over like 120 miles in or more at, at marathon pace, you know? So it was just getting the legs used to that pace. 
Absolutely. So you're doing all sorts of new things. Look at you. What a summer, yeah. what a summer and fall. All right. I know. <laughs> Roberta, thank you so much for hopping on. It was really exciting to see the schedule come together. Um, it really is pretty amazing to see, you know, you and a lot of the other women and men, you know, really kind of finalize exactly what their plans are going to be for the I next know. six to eight months and really kind of like, all right, now it's just a matter of getting it done. So thank you so much for coming on Correct. and talking about it. Absolutely, Matt. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Roberta, for popping on the show. This was so much fun. I always enjoy talking to Roberta as well as all the other athletes on the show. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so you get any and all episodes sent right to your phone as soon as I publish them. So usually with this podcast, they go out Monday morning and Thursday morning. Um, that's the plan moving forward. And if anything changes, if you subscribe, and hey, you'll get all the episodes right when they are released. Uh, coming up soon, uh, next week or two, I'm going to have an episode with Kellen Taylor as we're going to uh, talk about how things went at the U.S. Championships, where she ran the 5K and 10K. And we'll also have our first episode with a coach of one of the athletes we're covering. So we're going to talk to John Ranieri's coach. James McCurdy, who's actually also my coach. But we're going to try to connect with the coaches of all of our athletes as we progress throughout the year. And I couldn't wait to talk to James because of the up and down nature of John's fall and early, I'm sorry, spring and early summer uh, training and uh, race results and see how things are going with him as he prepares for the Crim 10 miler, which actually Parker Stinson will also be running. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution. Never